on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to Africa and a big thanks to Andrew for the afternoon entertainment. It is Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Shane Dawson and you're listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, fresh from being included in Ireland's wider Six Nations squad, we will be chatting to Munster's Ollie Yeager. Sticking with rugby, Michael Corcoran will bring us up to date with all the latest headlines from Six Nations squad announcements with plenty of new captains confirmed too. In ladies football, Nadine Doherty is in studio to preview the National League throwing in this weekend. Damien Lawler wraps up all our Gaelic Games stories and we'll bring you the latest on the Irish men's hockey team's crucial Olympic qualifier, which starts very shortly. As always, if you want to have your say, you can send us a text on 51552 or WhatsApp 87 Good evening. Welcome along to Game On. Michael Corcoran and Nadine Doherty are in studio. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nadine, all good? Yeah, excellent. A bit cold, but... A bit cold, yeah. We're sure we're in a nice warm studio. Oh, yeah, so. gorgeous. Uh, we will be chatting uh, ladies football, uh, which throws in this weekend very shortly. Dublin Kerry, good way to get started in Division 1. Yeah, repeated last year's final. Uh, very entertaining matches on the sideline last year, Shane, if you remember. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, great way to kick it off. And in Parnell Park, I'd say there'll be a decent enough crowd, and we'll get on to that after. Good promotion this week, but uh, yeah, Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Very much looking forward to it, Parnell. I love that stadium as well, to be fair. Um, Michael, let us begin our conversation with the big rugby news today. Uh, and that is Andy Farrell has named his Six Nations uh, squad. And Peter O'Mahony has been confirmed as Ireland captain. Is that the right decision, in your opinion? 100% it is, yeah. Um, and I think anybody who has watched rugby over, over the last period of time... Um, We'll see that he was uh, Peter's been part of the sort of the senior leadership group that Ireland have had, uh, even when Johnny Saxon was there. Um, and um, it, it's it's a matter. I mean, it's not going to be the long term choice. That's the reality about it. Um, I wouldn't call him a stopgap either. He's a player who's played over a hundred times for Ireland. He's captained Ireland previously ten times before. Um, He's captain the British and Irish Lions in an opening test match against the All Blacks in Eden Park when they tore down in New Zealand. He's captain Munster umpteen times. He's been captain of every team that he's ever played on, right from schools all the way up. Um, and if you look at the squad and the composition of the squad, he is probably the standout senior player mm. um, there. And he's also the, the you know he's the right choice and 100% is the right choice as far as as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You mentioned you wouldn't call it a stopgap. Some people might, because of the contract situation at mm-hmm. Munster as well. Will this decision, naming him as Ireland captain, affect that? Will it rectify the, the ongoing negotiations? Uh, I don't know because, I mean, none of us are privy to those contract negotiations. Mm. I mean, his, con- his contract is on, on a central Irish contract and that's up at the end of the season. Um, so... You know what? What if if the question is, does he want to continue playing? Um, if he does want to continue playing, well, it's then up to um, either the RFU or Monster or a combination of the two of them coming up with some kind of hybrid solution um, to 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 keep him on board. One of the difficulties is I I don't know I don't know anything about the financial aspect of how much he's getting paid or otherwise, um, but you know the situation is that um, it's it's. Um, it's 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 a sizable amount of money, you know, compared to compared to other people. And um, 
you know, it would be it would be a big I won't say a hole, but it's a big chunk of Munster's budget basically to be fair, but I would suggest going you know, going forward. But I mean the the, the question is if, if he wants to continue playing you know, it, it's it's up to it's up to both the RFU and the Munster and and uh, and Munster to, uh, to 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 arrange to arrange for him to continue playing mm-hmm. basically, uh, rather than have a Mexican standoff situation where people are speculating is he in or is he out or will he be, you know I I mean I see the captaincy as a as an honour for him and his family, um but it's a separate issue to his contract um, negotiation. I w- I would have thought it would certainly have strengthened his um, his hand in terms of negotiation if he wants to continue. But that's that's the bottom line. Everybody has an opinion. That's the that's the, that's, that's the beautiful of, thing about that's it. That's the beautiful thing about it. Everybody has an opinion. I've been here giving mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there are lots of people who are electronic keyboard warriors who claim to know everything. Um, and, um, you know, people will have their have their opinions about who should be the Irish captain long term. I've got my opinion. Um, but, but for now, Peter Romani is the man to lead Ireland for the Six Nations Championship. I already see that uh, you know on, I don't I don't do Instagram, but somebody sent me um, a screenshot from Instagram earlier from uh, Jamie George, who's the English captain, who's actually uh, Jamie and, and and Peter be quite good friends. And um, Jamie George has uh, sent a message to Peter openly in front of everybody, going, "Well, well, well, we'll be doing our warm up on your lawn." So kind of you know it's uh, no rather bizarrely that'll be. That'll be unusual because the match is in Twickenham this year. Um, <laughs> um, so look, I, I mean, it's 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 the right call in terms of the captaincy. The contract issue is separate, um, and I know certainly from um, his point of view. I mean, if you if you look, he's been missing for for a while in terms of injury, but if you look at how important he's been to Munster on the big days, big players, big occasions, for Munster, for Ireland, for the Lions. Uh, Peter Romani has always been central to those, you know, and um, he's he's a, he's a very important player. Age doesn't come into it. That's the reality about it. Is he a guaranteed starter then for the Six Nations? You would imagine if he's captain. I I would imagine I would imagine. Uh, well, he's guaranteed as long as he's good enough to play. Mm. You know, I mean, um, you know, there have been there have been non-playing captains for for countries and teams before in the past. Um, it's not going to be Peter plus fourteen. You know that's the reality. He'll be there as long as he needs to be there, and I think or, or, as long as he deserves to be there. And I think that's a conversation that Andy Farrell would have had with him. Um, you know, Andy Farrell had plenty of choices, plenty of other people who he he could have um, selected. But you know, in terms of uh, continuity and in terms of his, uh, the senior leadership group that was there um, from from the Rugby World Cup and, and going forward, I mean, there's, there hasn't been an awful lot of time together. Basically, since the Rugby World Cup, and they're just getting together next week. So, uh, from that point of view, I think um, the the kind of transition of power, if I can call it that. I mean, as I said, he's he's been captain ten times before, mm. and um, so if you want that continuity there, basically, you're in a situation like where um, I, I think he's he's the he's the perfect choice. By no means, not not guaranteed. Not guaranteed um, a starting berth in in the uh, in the team. The squad itself, uh, yeah. no uncapped players besides the three uh, training panelists. New, new bit of rugby parlance. Ah, yeah, there, look, I everybody. I mean, I mean, uh, I I have to wonder about these things um, because Eddie Jones a couple of years ago called the, you know, there were subs in the early days, then there were replacements, and then he called them finishers, which kind of really 
game changers as well. I think that was yeah, one. that was yeah. another one. So I think obviously some people from some marketing school somewhere uh, come up with, with these fantastic names. Like to be fair, and give themselves a pat on the back. So so those three training panelists, Ollie Yeager, yeah. who we will hear from very shortly, Thomas Ahern and and Sam Prendergast. Overall, any surprise inclusions or, or omissions in your opinion? Um, there, there's. I, I won't say surprised because like we don't have that huge number of players like that's the reality about it okay so what they're looking for is continuity and and players who are there rewarded there because of their performances on a consistent basis over over a period of time I mean we have what was it 34 players plus the, the other three mm. I mean you know uh, long term again medium to long term Ollie Yeager uh, is somebody who's going to come into the reckoning but like he's only been back in the country since since December mm. um, and has only played a couple of matches he has certainly shown huge potential he's a big man same height as John Hayes at 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 he's 125 130 kg he's a big fella to to move around the place to be fair about it Tom Ahern has been brilliant like he's been tearing up trees for Munster all the way through this season and and even last weekend like he was in the uh, like Midi Olympic, the 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 French um, newspaper, the French newspaper, put up a team of the week uh, after every round of the Champions Cup, and Tom Ahern was in this week's uh, okay. team. You know, so other people can see it's not just me standing mm. in front of you talking about this. I mean, other, other people can 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 see the potential there. And Sam Prendergast is definitely a man for the future, and we saw glimpses of what he can do uh, when he came on for Leinster last weekend. So the three of them deserve their their. Um, their, their place there. Um, I always use a phrase uh, when when teams and squads come out. I always the the phrase I always use is instead of who, you know, because everybody people give out to you or, or people think that I select a squad or something and they give out because I don't see what he why is he there and I say well you know he shouldn't be there or he should be there and mm. I say well instead of who who would you leave out like because you can't have a, a in, in a, a sort of a in a, an ungangly sized squad. Um, uh, you mentioned Sam Prendergast, but uh, Kean Prendergast, the the Connacht back row, is probably unlucky not to not to be there. As is John Hodnett, the Munster back row. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, John Hodnett's another fellow who's been. I think he was leading tackler with Niall Scanner last week in the match against Toulon down in um, the uh, Mayall down in the south of France, and and has been really good all the way through as well. And I, he's another fellow who's just been unlucky. Kean Prendergast is uh, from the times I've seen him, I've seen quite a good bit of Connacht so far this year. They're probably the two that fall into the unlucky bracket for okay. want of a better phrase um, but you know it, it's one of those keep training keep doing what you're doing here's where you need to improve I mean if you look at the England squad Kyle Sinclair isn't in the England squad and he's been told by um, by 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 Steve Warthwick what, what he needs to do to get himself back into the reckoning basically so I mean you're out but you're out for now OK, well, it should be a cracking uh, Six Nations. Michael Corcoran, thank you uh, very much. One man that is included in the wider Irish panel uh, that we mentioned was uh, Munster prop Ollie Yeager. The former Black Rock College student joined the province in December, ending a 10-year spell in New Zealand where he enjoyed great success with the Crusaders. Ollie was on media duty today following the announcement that Pinergy will be the presenting partner for Munster's historic clash of champions with Crusaders at Porky Cueve on Saturday, February 3rd. Timing is everything in life. I spoke to him shortly after at 2pm, which was just as he had received the news that he was included in the wider Irish panel for the Six Nations by Andy Farrell as what they call in the trade, as we mentioned, as a training panellist. I believe so. I believe so. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, it was it was awesome to see that come up today. And um, 
Yeah, I, honestly, I wasn't expecting it too much. Uh, I haven't played that much rugby at the moment uh, at home and stuff. So when I saw that, it was obviously, I, I'm speechless, really. It's a, it's a bloody cool opportunity. And now uh, hopefully just hit the ground running and just kind of get back on the field and see what I can play. How and when did you get the news? Found out there, really, with everybody else kind of thing. Just, yeah, no, we'll find out more later on, obviously. But, yeah, it was bloody cool. Um, <laughs> my, like, my phone's blowing up at the moment, saying everybody's saying congratulations and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to put that in airplane mode and hide it away for a wee bit to let everything calm down. But, um, nah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm bloody stoked about it. Well, I appreciate you uh, sticking the phone away for, for affording us your, your time for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, huge news that your uh, Munster teammate Peter O'Mahony has been confirmed uh, as the new Ireland captain as well. Were you even surprised by the news? He, he's a natural leader. I'm sure it came as no shock to you. No, nah, no, nah, I wasn't surprised. Like he, as you said, he's a natural leader. He's got uh, all the characteristics of being, you know, just a great leader, but also just a great man and stuff. So yeah, it's the way he'd be able to bring out the best of everybody he's on the field with uh, during training. I haven't had the pleasure of playing with him yet. Um, but in training, you know, he really, he leads by example and he leads by voice. And he's one of those kind of players he's once in a lifetime to come across. So I'm stoked for him and I'm sure he's the best man for the job. And I'm sure he will show that as well. I know a lot of people were surprised when he stepped down as Munster captain, but I'm sure he's still part of that that leadership group. Have you learned a lot from him since since your time at Munster? Oh, 100% he is. Uh, like, obviously, boys look to him naturally to when uh, what's, when, uh, what's called we need a bit of leadership or uh, even when he feels something needs to be said, he's one of the ones to say it. But yeah, I've learned a few things off him already and it's only been a month and a half or sort of that and you know it's it's infectious you know you see him go forward and you want to go do it for him and also for everybody else in your team so yeah I'm looking forward to seeing how he does and I'm sure he's going to be great Have you have you had many conversations with Andy Farrell John Fogarty since, since you came back to Ireland? Nah, nah not since I've been back my whole thing here is just play for Munster and uh, that was my main thing coming reason coming home and the main reason to you know kick off the beginning of the season um, you know just try to find my feet uh, get to know Limerick pretty well and obviously get immersed with all the boys and stuff in the squad so now my whole focus has been monster since I've been home and stuff so I haven't heard anything from them um, what's called till today but now nah, it's been been great being here at home been great being part of the team and great to get things running you mentioned get, getting to know Limerick so where is home for you because because I asked that with like you've a your, your mom's from Kildare, dad's from yeah. Rotterdam, born in London, studied in Newbridge and Black Rock, played New Zealand. Now you're now you're wearing a Munster jersey. So <laughs> where's home? Uh well home is where the heart lies, isn't it? It's, it depends on where you want to place it. But uh where I grew up and where home is is in Nice, um, over in Kildare. I grew up there. Um, lived there for the whole time. I went to boarding school in Dublin, but always had family back home in Nice and stuff. So that's where home is. That's where I grew up. That's where all my early memories are when I was a child and where me and my brothers fought God knows how many times. So yeah, no, that's where home is. And how are you finding Munster? How how's settling in been? Oh, it's been great. I'm oh, loving it. Loving it at the moment. Um, obviously been a bit of a rocky start with um, the old head knock and stuff like that, but uh, things are starting to come better now. Uh, starting to get back into the rhythm of things and starting to get back into training and stuff. So hopefully back on the field soon and kind of get back into the running of things. But I've been loving it. The boys are great. Um, the city's lovely. 
hopefully it warms up sometime soon because it's uh, pretty cold at the moment. Are you used to the weather? It's not like you're coming from the Mediterranean climates or anything like that. No, no. But when you live in New Zealand for a wee while, it is always a bit warmer, especially when it's about 30 degrees summer at the moment over there. So You mentioned the injury. Will he be back for Northampton? Uh, it's still wait and see uh, kind of thing. You've got to get jump through a few hoops first and stuff and see how things go. And obviously, depending on selection as well, uh, mm. we just have to you know, see how things and see how things kind of end out. But... Hopefully, we'll see how things go. Um, what's called training again tomorrow. So we'll, yeah, just have to wait and see, really. When you get an injury that requires a return to play protocol like that, for yourself, is there any extra concerns? That, and I asked that with, with thinking about, like you underwent neck fusion. I'm, yeah. I'm right in saying. So I suppose just for our listeners, what is that, I suppose? Because um, it must be a concerning procedure for a front rower. Yeah, yeah. So basically, to put it slightly, I like to put it easy. Uh, I don't need to go into the whole scientific terms of it, but I had a disc in my neck in my spine that slipped out, and pretty much they got a bone graft from my hip and put it in between, took the disc out. And so now instead of having two vertebrae on top of each other, I've got one big one. Um, So they just tied them together pretty much and uh, what's called made a heel together, really. So it, once it's all healed and everything, it's it's obviously really strong. It, um, you know, it's secure. Everything's fine with that. And as a front row, it's obviously not really what you want because your neck is one of the main things you need to use for strumming. And then making sure you have a strong neck is obviously one of the most important things. But um, as long as you take your recovery right, you know, you get everything right and you're honest with the physio staff and physio and the doctors and stuff. But more importantly, honest with yourself. Uh, if you're not right, you're not right. And the last thing you want to do is go out early and then actually make it into a bigger deal than what it needed to be. And you're out for even longer. So as long as you take that time off and actually really listen to what your body needs, you're, you're pretty good. And that's kind of one thing I've learned throughout the years. And I feel pretty good at it in the moment. I saw a few quotes from, from Andrew Porter, who was kind of saying that there's a fine line between aggression and controlled violence. And, and I think he even kind of mentioned, not to put words in his mouth, but but being a bit not hesitant or a bit scared of, of getting these these big hits. Like when you see the the increased levels of physicality and perhaps even at times recklessness creeping into the game. Like does that play in your mind when when you're got, when you're taking to the field? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think if you play in that in your mind when you're going into the field, um, it's probably one of the last things you really want to do because then you kind of. You know, expecting it every carry, uh, every tackle, or everything, and it kind of hesitates you to actually play. And I think once you, if you're in that mind frame, uh, especially after you've been injured, you probably shouldn't be on the field, um, unless you're really willing to go. You know, I'm not going to say head first is definitely not the right way to put it, but you know, you know, go full full bore into the game. Um, then you should be fine as long as you kind of increase the physicality with what's been put up against you. It's actually, you know, you're pretty safe and especially with the training you do and, you know, everything is, you're, you're in a pretty safe environment and especially with all the staff, uh, physios, doctors, everyone around, uh, they help as well a lot and, you know, if, you know, they wouldn't put you out there if you're not up to it. Well, hopefully you will be back on, on the field soon in, in the Red of Munster and then, like, as I suppose we began our conversation talking about, about Ireland as well, like, do you have the belief, can you see yourself long-term being a, an Ireland front rower? Um, well, it's not really for me up to say, uh, it's up for the coaches and, uh, what's it called selecting, but, um, I would love to, I would love to see myself in that kind of, in that Jersey and, uh, see myself 
Well, definitely, put it easy, I'd definitely love to see myself uh, be in Ireland for the rest of my career. Um, I don't really want to go anywhere anymore. I feel like if you want to say I've done my travelling, I've obviously lived in New Zealand for 10 plus years. Um, I've seen that side, I've done everything different, so I'm ready to settle down and settle home and be close to family and stuff like that. And, you know, where that takes me, I'm not too sure. Um, hopefully, we've been to uh, higher honours, but we just got to take one game at a time. And go from there but yeah definitely staying in ireland for now was that the main pull factor in, in coming home was was trying to become an ireland international i look it's definitely one factor for us but uh the main factor would have actually been for family and um friends and stuff obviously when you live on that far away from the side of the world uh you miss a lot and uh, especially through the COVID years where it was about three and a half years uh, since I was able to get to Ireland. So you, you miss a, quite a big few family events or birthdays or anything, funerals, weddings, all together. And then you also just miss your family and stuff like that. You miss seeing them. And so it, that was one of the, that's the, that was really the main pull factor of coming home. And um, what's it called? Just being back in Ireland. Um, some people get homesick quick. Some people get homesick later on in life. And mine just came about 10 and a half years after I left. So it was, it was that time in my life that I wanted to be back close to my roots. And yeah, opportunity came and I took it. Not many players can say they, they win a senior cup with um, Black Rock and, and then they end up playing for the Crusaders not, not too long after. Like that career path, how did you fall into that? Um, well, once I finished school, um, I wasn't connected to anybody, uh, any provincial teams or anything like that. Um, I was also pretty young when I finished school, so I finished school at 17. And I was originally going to go to move to New Zealand uh, for a couple of months, do a little bit of work, and kind of find my way. I was going to go find my way through the trades, uh, either building or electrician or something like that. And I thought the best place to go was New Zealand. And then an opportunity came uh, to train with the uh, Canterbury Academy. And um, they have this international program you can do. I went through there and they obviously asked, am I affiliated to anybody? Is anybody kind of, you know, has me in their team? And of course I said no. And then, one thing led to another and then about two, three years later, I was playing for the Crusaders kind of thing. So there was obviously, they had seen something in me that they wanted and they thought was good. And um, I obviously being, you know, young and full of ambition and, you know, wanting to travel and see and have an adventure, I was more than willing to stay and see how things went. And yeah, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved that part of my life. And, you know, I definitely don't regret anything I've done in that sense and yeah if I do it I'll do it all the same way again You were close to or you were called up into a, a New Zealand 15 for an Irish against an Ireland A team I'm right in saying but but you were injured is, is there any yes. world where we might be talking to Ollie Yeager the All Black? Ah, oh, I don't know um, I was yeah so I got called into that uh, All Blacks 15 team uh, when they travelled end of 22 but that was when I actually uh, found out about my neck and it just became a bit too dangerous to play so I was pulled and uh, had the surgery instead and made sure I was 100% but um, oh, look who knows it might have happened it might not have happened but for all I know I wanted to come home You've obviously shown some great talent that that's why you got selected by the Crusaders it's why you're in a you know an extended Irish squad now for Six Nations so what will you be looking to do in, in training to, to to try and impress Andy Farrell in particular and, and his coaching team um just being myself really just you know 
backing my own skill set and showing that I'm hungry, showing that I'm I want to play. Um, you know, I'm here for a reason and you know, I, I just want to get out there and show what I can do. So I think the more I can be myself is the best I can do it. Well, listen, I wish you all the best um, going forward. Hopefully you're back on the pitch soon. If it is this weekend against Northampton or if we do have to wait a bit longer, no doubt you'll be representing Munster and indeed representing Ireland for, for many years to come. Thank you very much. That was Ollie Yeager speaking earlier on behalf of Pinergy, who are pr- proud sponsors of the Munster Senior Schools Cup and are continuing their support by sustaining the future of rugby in the province through the supply of renewable energy to Munster's Thomond Park and Virgin Media Park. We are going to take a short break. Nadine Doherty is standing by to chat. Ladies football, so do say what is here in Game On 2FM. RTE 2FM. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Now, before we turn our attention to Gaelic football, just to update you with the ongoing uh, men's Irish men's hockey team Olympic qualifier, they must avoid defeat to Japan in their final pool match. There are seven minutes... uh, to go in the first quarter it's currently nil all so as it stands uh, they will advance to the last four with the eventual finalists and third place finisher in the mini tournament set to qualify for this summer's Olympics in Paris so hopefully uh, they will defeat Japan but a draw is the minimum um, OK Gaelic football Nadine Darley, the uh, ladies uh, national leagues throw in this weekend well Division 4 threw in last weekend to be fair but Division 1, 2 and uh, 3 begin uh, this weekend and the large narrative, uh, particularly in Division One counties, is that there are a lot of new management teams. Yeah, big turnover. A um, little bit of a merry-go-round with Shane McCormick. He has gone from Armagh to Meath. Uh, Shane worked with Armagh for the last couple of years. He was a coach initially, and then he became manager last year. So a lot of experience in the women's game. Um, a a big challenge with me that I feel you know they were so successful under Eamon Murray and mm. his group uh, then it didn't work out last year with Davy Nelson initially and then I suppose Jenny Rispin came in and steadied the ship uh, huge expectations you know they were very unlucky last year Shane with injuries and so was the squad being a bit unsettled they know this year Vicky Wall has gone to seven so you know that's done and dusted there's nobody coming and going um, so I'd say they're all very excited and me and, and I wish Shane the best of luck because he has been involved as I said in the ladies game for a long time mm. very good coach and great to have around um, and Galway Daniel Moynihan has come in so he was the manager of the Galway minor team for the last number of years and I think he's won two All-Irelands at that level so he'd know those players um, I hope he brings a brand of a attacking football to Galway that we're always wishful for um, but exciting for them and Liam McHale I suppose a big big name in Mayo men's football mm. uh, recently left the Mayo men's coaching setup, and now he is head of, of the women's setup. and Are you surprised by that? Um, no I'm not um, you know the reports uh, coming out of Mayo and again it was speculation that he felt perhaps he didn't have enough of a voice mm. in the men's setup. again that's speculation you don't know um, so I mean the second biggest job in Mayo is the women's senior inter-county team so no I'm not surprised and again reports coming out of Mayo is that the players are very impressed with the setup, very professional um, he's a lot of good people around him it's very structured very organised and they're really really excited for the season ahead and now they have a lot of change in the background in terms of players I think they have five players from last year's panel who have opted out and big name Shauna Howley she would have won an all-star in recent years Rachel Kearns Claude McManaman so big names gone but mm. still huge excitement within the county I mean 
Mayo have been there thereabouts for the last few years. They've been top four. They've been in semi-finals. So, listen, um, there was a, there was a bit of controversy, I suppose, with Mikhail's appointment initially with the county board and the process and so on. And even I think it was two weeks ago or maybe last week, um, they couldn't fulfil the seats in the county board, which meant that the team would not have been able to play this weekend but that obviously has been sorted okay. etc um, so yeah an exciting time for Liam McHale and his crew and in Armagh we have Gregory McGonagall and I suppose anybody of my vintage would be very familiar with, with Gregory he's been around the ladies club scene for a long time um, and inter-county scene, inter-county scene and college scene so he would have worked with Monaghan Ladies he was their manager um probably 10 years ago, uh, maybe a bit longer. He was also in with Dublin, mm. obviously the last time they lost in All-Ireland final. And uh, Gregory, I suppose, you know, people would credit Jim McGuinness with bringing this big defensive brand of zonal football um, to the inter-county scene. Greg, Fake news. It was all Greg McGonagall. It was Gregory <laughs> and and Peter Clark, another very famous coach. Um, those guys were doing it before Jim McGuinness, you know, at the club scene and at college level. So it's funny with Armagh, a lot of people would feel that what Armagh have always been missing is their defensive setup. So listen, Gregory knows a good defensive setup, so we'll see what he does there. But listen, change is always good. Um, and again, it's it's good to see people in there who have experience of women's football mm. and they, you know, keep that culture going. So very exciting in that regard. So changes on the management front, for the most part, though, it's kind of the same for for panels across the board in Division 1 so that would lead me to believe that it's going to be your, your usual suspects challenging yeah it seems to be now we haven't seen any team sheets yet well well, I haven't been privy to any but there haven't been any announcements mm. of major departures um, I know a lot of the Aussie Rules players are in situ with the counties until um, they finish up which is great um, we mentioned Vicky Wall obviously the biggest name to depart mm. this year and be confirmed um, but in terms of the top teams yeah um, they're they're all there it's great to see all the Kerry girls coming back because there were, there were a few question marks over a few of those players because they've been around for a long time um, and that would be the only reason that people have question marks not ability yeah. you know nothing like that the hurt like might still be there as well the hurt kind of could be there right yeah. the wrongs yeah absolutely but yeah look looking at personnel wise especially in that division one um Again, though, you know, in saying that, you know he'll be challenging away, but the league just throws up so much in. Like, mm. you know, you look at, so I was going to even the first fixture there in terms of Dublin Kerry. Um, Dublin with the league, they always use it to experiment with players, with tactics, give players game time. I can't see that changing this year with Dublin. Um, you know, in saying that, they came third last year. They just missed out on that top two spot. But uh, I don't think they'll be looking to win it. But then with Kerry, interestingly, you know, last year I felt they would have been aiming to win everything in sight. And the way they started the year, they blew everybody out of the water in the league and then they just gradually faded away. I mean, they had a horrendous monster campaign. Mm. And then they're all Ireland. They kind of built it back up, but they I just felt they were burned out. So it'll be interesting to see what way Kerry approached the league this year um, because they were miles ahead of everybody by the midpoint of the league last year. So we'll see how they approach it in that regard. So Dublin Kerry 5.15 Parnell Park on the Saturday Sunday then at 1pm Armagh Waterford uh, in Cross McGlen 2pm Cork Galway Mallow uh, and at Stephen Knight's Mayo Mead also uh, throws in at 2pm as well so it's a cracking way to start off Division 1 Yeah I suppose another the pick of the, the games there for me would be Cork and Galway Um you know, again with Cork, they they were pretty strong in the league last year. They were they were nice to watch. They pulled off a few good wins over the the top top teams. 
brilliant monster campaign mm. and then they kind of petered out I think that's been Cork's problem Shane in the, in the last number of years just that the championship they just they you never know what Cork team are going to show up and I just feel over the last 10 years since that old guard have slowly retired it's just hard to see Cork grinding out results so look we'll see this year if they if they beat Galway I suppose on, on Saturday Sunday you know it'll be it'll be a bit of a marker to see where they're at in terms of their season and I find with Cork as well over the last few years a lot of their more experienced players haven't re-entered the fold mm. until post-league and I feel that affects them Shane to be honest because it's a totally different especially front six it's completely different front six for the league than is in, in then shows up in championship so I feel for them really to perform in the championship they need some kind of cohesiveness um, going from the league and look with Galway we've, we've tipped on their new management already they'll probably be without their Kilcarran club team players because they obviously won their third All-Ireland mm-hmm. in a row so it was a long long year for them um, they'll be under strength in a way in terms of names but I always say it and I know you'd be sick listening to me saying this I mean on paper they just have the best squad going they've the top 30 players in the country so they they should still have a very very strong team this weekend and I think that'll just it'll be a good a good fixture good one to watch if it's streamed online if people can catch it or go obviously very important mm. with the new campaign Absolutely um, Division 2 we saw Armagh run away with it um, last year your native Donegal might they do the same or what catches your, your eye in the lower divisions? Uh, well, the thing with Division 2, it's it's just always so competitive. Um, I mean, I remember being involved with Donegal and being stuck down there for a long period of time. So you're looking at those fixtures. Look, Donegal, if, if it's to believe to be believed what's been said in the county you've uh, a lot of players opting out this year Nicole McLaughlin Emer Gallagher and Geraldine McLaughlin are definitely confirmed as not playing this year so um, I think with Donegal it's going to be pretty much rebuilding but again in saying that you know you look at the other teams there they have every chance of beating them Kildare Monaghan Kildare you know intermediate champions last year same management team in place I'd imagine the same squad so they'll, I think they'll be really really pushing to, to make it up to Division 1 and build on that and Listen, Tipperary are always there or thereabouts. So it's always a really, really competitive um, division. Okay, great stuff. Lots to look forward to. Nadine, I'm sure we'll be chatting plenty over the next few weeks uh, as the leagues uh, begin. Thank you, uh, as always, for popping in. Uh, we are taking a short break then. We are chatting and wrapping up all the latest Gaelic game stories with Damien Lawler. Game on. GAA. Now it is time to chat Gaelic Games here on Game On and RT Sports. Damien Lawler joins me on the line and Damien, only one place to start. The big news uh, this week. What is the latest on Porky Cueve? Is it still factually correct to refer to the stadium in that manner for now anyway? Yeah, definitely. And I think I think you'll be calling it Porky Cueve for a long time yet, Shane. Uh, there might be another name before or after it, but I think uh, the, the, the people of Cork have spoken. And, um, you know, I think it probably would have hit most GA people when the news came out uh, that, hang on now, just doesn't roll really off the tongue. Um, and you're thinking about the history and the heritage and the tradition. And I guess, look, the fact that Porik O'Keefe was the, my God, he would have been the main facilitator, organiser and leader of the GEA for, for uh, 35 years. Would have brought the GEA to new places, Shane. Would have brought it out of the country to New York uh, for the finals. First radio broadcast over there. Would have stayed on or come back to try and help the GEA get set up in America. But really back here, he had uh, a massive influence domestically. He would have had double the amount of clubs in Ireland from maybe 1,500 up to about 3,000. 
and he would have had made sure that almost every club uh, had a, a premises or a pitch in the actual parish and uh, you know about 400 clubs buying premises and owning their own pitches you know which is absolutely huge legacy to have and you know, I, I think apart from all that then, like his own background as, a, as, as an Irishman, um, massive, massive history attached to that. And I think, you know, you, you marry all that chain with the situation that the Cork County Board finds itself in. Uh, 30 grand in debt for the stadium, 4 million euro expenses last year, close to 2 million euro on inter-county uh, seniors and, 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 and cow, uh, sorry, inter-county senior and Cork teams at all grades. Uh, close to two million last year, and could break the two million barrier next year. So, you 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 put into fact that the the stadium company made a loss last year of close to three hundred thousand as well. And I, you know, bottom line there is there are massive debts to be looked after in Cork. The stadium is not getting used as, as enough at all at all. And um, Cork have to try and, and, and sweat their asset, and they have to try and look at every possible way of getting commercial income in to help finance the debt and help meet the debt. And the debt does not go away, that that stadium has to be maintained on a daily basis. And naming rights and subsidiary naming rights were just two of the areas that they've looked at. And, uh, you know, the naming rights, we had got wind that maybe before Christmas it was coming to a a confirmation. And then the examiner had a story during the week with the super value being named as the, the company involved. So I think the bottom line is the meeting last night we don't know quite was what was said of it because that meeting was held in camera. Cork announced last week that the media wouldn't be invited in anymore to their regular county board meetings. Uh, so nobody is quite sure what went down last night. But the outcome tells you everything you need to know. The proposal to have it called Super Value Park certainly uh, was not a runner. Um, and I think now they're going to have to find a compromise. They hope to get it sorted before this year's championship. But they go back now to the drawing board and maybe you're your design people or your, your branding people have to come in now and make sure this is a perfect match. But Porky Cueve has to stay. I think the people of Cork have decided that. A bit like FBD, Simple Stadium, you know, and the TUS Gaelic Grounds. Uh, you're bringing in the commercial partner, but you're not upsetting the, the history and tradition that's gone before. And therein lies the secret. Absolutely. Well, we can hear from Cork GA CEO Kevin O'Donovan. He was speaking with our own Marty Morrissey. We gave a, a significant commercial update on all our commercial partnerships across the board at the stadium and Cork J. As part of that, we gave an update in naming rights. Naming rights, the story continues with ongoing negotiations. We confirmed that we are having those uh, discussions with SuperValue at the moment and we continue to do so. We do know there has been a lot of discussion over the last 24 hours. We are listening to that. We'll be re- listening very close to our clubs and that will inform our discussions as we proceed. So does this mean that Super Value Park is off the agenda now? No, discussions continue, Marty, so all aspects of the deal will continue to be considered. They're very complex deals in terms of various elements. They're, they're a little more complex than Jersey sponsorships or other partnerships, so we'll be considering all aspects of the deal and continuing a great discussion with Super Value who have very similar ideals as we have in terms of community focus and so on. So there's a great match there, and we continue discussions. And on that basis, is Super Value Parky Cueve a possibility? 
Would that satisfy both parties? Everything is up for discussion. We're going to we're going to take a, you know a, a pause for the rest of the evening. It's late tonight. We'll be speaking to Super Value again tomorrow. Continue with those discussions to get a deal that's right for both parties. Because no partnership will work if it's not sustainable for either side. So we're listening to our members. I'm sure Super Value are listening to their franchisees and and their staff and so on. So I'm sure we'll reach a really good outcome. So everything is on the table, according to Cork GAC. Oh, Kevin O'Donovan speaking mm. to um, Martin Morrissey there. On the pitch, we had some very notable retirements uh, this week from inter-county football. Dublin's Dean Rock and Monaghan's Kieran Hughes. Two big losses. Probably fair to say it's a bigger blow to Monaghan than it is to Dublin, give, given where the county stand in terms of depth of talent. Yeah, that, that, look, at I mean, it's, it's certainly, relatively speaking, it certainly is. And I mean, I think, you know, Monaghan have done unbelievably well to maintain their Division 1 status over the last decade. They've been really, really brilliant. Like, they've had to go to the well on the last day quite a few times, but they've always managed it. Their playing pool, their playing population is quite small. There's no doubt about that. When you compare it to, to, to Dublin's, it, it really, you know, reduces in comparison, to be honest with you. And when Kieran Hughes then... Um, you know, confirmed. Uh, I suppose today that he was he was stepping aside with his thirty fourth birthday coming uh, next month. Well, that's a massive blow because quite simply, they need everybody they can get. They can get now on the plus side. Uh, Darren Hughes, his brother, uh, Kieran's brother, is staying put, and Connor McManus is, is going to go again this year. Uh, everybody hopes. Uh, on the uh, negative side, their young full forward Carl Gallagher is gone to the Adelaide Crows. And Rory Began is going to miss part of the league because he's going for the, the NFL trials as a kicker. And you know what? You can't blame either Rory or Carl for going that direction. But you're potentially looking there at three or four serious players going from the, the pool. And all those players, including Kieran Hughes, who started in Monaghan for the first time in 2009, he won two Ulster championships uh, in 13 to 15. And he's fought hamstring injuries in recent years uh, he, his role around the, the, the team and around the middle of the park it might have reduced a little bit but by God he was some man to have on the books and to bring in as well so massive massive loss Rory Began is an all-star goalkeeper if he misses a significant amount of the league that'll be a huge blow as well Carl Gallagher was a guy that they could have built a future around so you know, I think Vinnie Corey mentioned to us in the sideline last year, Shane, shortly after their campaign ended, you know, very, very happy with the, the attitude, very, very happy with their performances, even though they didn't win. But they came, look, they give a really good account of themselves in Crow Park. And I think almost immediately, I think he said to me in interviews afterwards, trying to keep as many of these for next year is, 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 the, is the aim. And I think they have a fear in Monaghan that one or two players could go yet as the season unfolds. So it's, it's a worrying time. And then to compare all that with Dean Rock, well... You know, Dean Rock walks away with, with absolute greatness, like eight All-Ireland titles, 12 Leinsters, three All-Stars, six leagues. He got 19 goals and 508 points. In in the list of great players for Dublin, he's up there with James McCarthy, Cluxton, uh, Jack McCaffrey, up there in a very, very unsung way. And in the list of greatest free-takers of all time, he's right up there as well. And we mentioned Rory Began, Morris Fitz, Oisin McConville, Killian O'Connor. You know, Dean Rock was like a... 80% to 85% guy nearly every time he went out I think uh, when Dublin did the five in a row I think he hit 32 frees out of 36 Shane accurately mm. incredible you know and his routine was very very simple well hang on now it wasn't simple at all he made it look simple <laughs> seven steps back three to the side he'd take about 23-24 seconds for every every free he took and he was absolutely robotic there at one stage and right to the end he got crucial crucial points in crucial stages of all Ireland finals he was a big game player and what really impressed me over the last few years well a couple of things have impressed me about him 
his work rate really went through the roof in the last number of years. Maybe there's a Jim Gavin effect and, and maybe maybe when his place wasn't automatically assured. Well, I mean, he's, his mobility increased, his agility increased. He was back to halfway and further beyond tracking back, which he wouldn't have done maybe earlier in his career. And then finally, uh, people forget too, he ripped the hammer off the bone completely. He had a serious knee injury. He had to wait about six years in total to really get going with Dublin. And that takes serious mental strength. Uh, but by God, he came out of his uh, dad's shadow and his dad was a, a legend as well. So a content family, I'd say, this evening. And, and maybe maybe I'm only speculating myself, Shane, but maybe he tried a bit of this year to see how the body was doing before he decided. Because, you know, himself and Kieran have left it late enough in the day to, to, to call it a day, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, not too long to go until uh, the National Leagues begin. Um, Damien, let's finish our chat today on the club finals uh, this Sunday. Yeah. Half one throw-in for Lachlan Gales and St. Thomas <coughs> of the Hurling before Glen and St. Bridget's contest the football final at half three. So starting with the hurling, how do you see this one playing out? Oh my God, uh, really hard to call. Uh, the teams know each other a little bit actually. Back to 2011, they would have met in Fela, a couple of them. And I think a few of them may have said in touch with each other, the Thomas and O'Loughlin Gales guys. Um, look at... St. Thomas's six county titles in Galway on the spin, obviously backboned by all the Burks, but, you know, <laughs> what an outfit. But they always found it hard to get past the All-Ireland semi-final stage. They'd be beaten by Bursley, by Ballier, uh, and I think they've had two successes in semi-finals, both to Ulster opponents. So they're, they're finally in an All-Ireland final um, after their, their maybe attempts of the last few years, and they really want to, 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 to come home with the silverware up against the Kikenny side that probably have been the opposite. Uh, they've waited patiently for Ballyhale to get off the crown. Um, you know, they've had a disappointment against Mullinavat last year, almost beaten by Mullinavat this year. But O'Loughlin Gales took their chance. Um, they got out of Kikenny uh, when Ballyhale were down and they won Leinster by a point. They beat Cushendall by a point. They have one of the best defences at club level you're ever going to see in your life. Mikey Butler, Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan. Crucially, Paddy Deegan is back in defence. They've tried him at centre-forward and corner-forward over the last few years, but Paddy's scoring as much from centre-back anyway as he would have had in the forward, Shane, and he's added an unbelievable structure to that team. So it's going to be a massive, massive contrast. Um, I, I, I think you're, you're foolish to back against the Kilkenny team in a final in Crow Park. I just wonder, though, like uh, have Thomas's learned an awful lot in the defeats over the last few years and are they more prepared for a day like this and while they're facing an all-star defence effectively they do have the forwards to trouble um, their opposition they also have the physicality in the backs to maybe hold the O'Loughlin Gales forwards now um, the reason I say physicality is O'Loughlin's have struggled a bit with Mullinavat in the last two years, even though they won one, they, they lost one. But Mullinavat brought serious physicality. And I'm just wondering, will Thomas's physicality, uh, certainly in the backs, could they outmuscle the, 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 the O'Loughlin forwards? Now, it's just a pure guessing game. If I was to call it, it says a point or two either way. But, um, you know, Conor Heary, all these guys, they'll have something to say about that too. But I, I don't know. I think it would be Thomas's will hardly ever forgive themselves if they, if they beat Bally Gunner and didn't finish off the job um, and if if Lachlan's do come good it, it would be like one of the greatest feats in club history that they've nearly came from blindside to win an All-Ireland title and you know give Brian Hogan a, a serious managerial spur straight away but it's really really tight to call Shane Yes sir small margins certainly might be small margins in the football as well what will be the difference or who will be the difference between Glenn and Bridget's 
Oh, I think Conor Glass could be the difference. You know, it's probably a cliche to say it, like, but um, the, 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 just you know, the hurt that they have from last year that has to mean that has to mean an awful lot now. I mean, they they would have stored that away, and, and Glass actually joined Derry nearly the, the following two nights after the All Ireland final last year, just to get away from the, the heartbreak. And he had a goal chance there in the last seconds that was brilliantly saved. Uh, by the Crokes keeper as well. So he'll have stored up all that too. He's having an unbelievable year. I think Leonard, they found a way nearly every time they've gone out, Shane, and I think uh, they'll, they'll, they might have too much. But they'll have to watch out for, they really have to watch out for the, the Bridges full forward line. I mean, Ben O'Carroll was man of the match last day. Brian Derwin got a goal and a point and Bobby Nugent got three. So like if they can keep an eye on those forwards, but they're going to have to. And, um, you know, the Glen haven't hit top form at all this year. Uh, they did dog it out against Crokes, but they lost their concentration and their way a little bit as well. But they found a way to get back against Crokes, and psychologically that was a big thing. And that maybe leads me to believe that no matter what Bridget's throw at them, um, that they'll have enough for Bridget's on the day. And, you know, in fairness to Bridget's, they withstood a, a good challenge from Castlehaven uh, at the end of their game as well. But I'd, I'd probably go for Glen uh, to win that game, and I'd maybe, maybe... Thomas's by by only a point or two, but I'm really on defence with the hurling shade. Okay, well it should be two crackers on Sunday. Damien Lawler, gentlemen, as always, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat to us here on Game On. Game On Gaelic football. Now that is all we have time for on this evening's game. On just before we do let you go to update you on the men's hockey Olympic qualifier, Ireland lead Japan in their must not lose match by a goal to nil. There are ten seconds to go uh, in the second quarter, so good news for the hockey team at the moment. Um, Sinead, massive thanks to Damien O'Mara for producing this evening's show. Better the Silva is up next, so do stay tuned to Two FM, and we'll chat you again at six PM tomorrow. RTE Two FM. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin.